hey, hey, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Real Tea Talks with Tai podcast show. I am your host. That's Tai, spelled T-I-Y-E. I am so excited today, as usual, but even more so today, just because, number one, I am semi-child-free, so that's always nice, because it only happens, like, maybe once a year. I might be over-exaggerating with that, but I am happy about that, first and foremost, okay? The second reason I am so excited is just because of the fact that we just got another half a dozen short sale approvals today. And in regards to short sales, for any of you that know that market, know that distressed sales market, it takes a lot of time for the average investor, processor, broker to process a short sale. Our average is usually between two to four months. This particular short sale took 46 days in order just the one I'm talking about to get approved. So I want to shout out my team and say thank you, thank you, thank you guys for working your butts off. Coronavirus and all, you still were able to push through, get a single mortgage lien short sale approval approved in 46 days. Hands down, I am just juiced about that. And I definitely am happy that my team was able to pull that off. So In regards to my third reason, which is where I'm going to start the show off on today, is because I am finally in the know, um, as of a couple days ago, actually, even, about Elon Musk's move to Texas. Now, Texas, for you guys that know me, that follow the market trends that I am actually actively investing in and have been with my husband for the last 10 years, Austin, Texas has forever been on our radar. It's just overall that market is a phenomenal market for real estate, for investing, for buy and hold, despite high property taxes, as they have continued to accelerate, appreciate over the years. However, with this new move, like, did you guys know that? That Elon Musk legitly said deuces goodbye to California and said hello to Austin, Texas. Now, a lot of controversy is kind of stirring up as to why that move was Uh, was made. But what we're going to talk about today in the show is super relevant to the move that he made. And it's all about how to set yourself up to really be financeable, to be able to get money, attract money and utilize that money to deploy it into working for you to produce income by having its own job. It's just like Robert Kiyosaki says, you should always have two occupations. You have one, and your money has another. Which industry are you in? Like, I am a huge believer of that. Because in Elon's case, in regards to the controversy that's that's kind of going back and forth, he has two super big priorities right now for his companies um, with that whole SpaceX and Starship vehicle and Tesla and their new Gigafactory. All of that construction and new development is being done, for those of you who don't know, in Austin, in Austin, Texas. So there are enormous tax implications in regards to why he made this move. Number one, he is said to be the second wealthiest person in the entire world. Only second to Amazon's Elon, uh, excuse me, he's only second um, to Jeff Bezos, right? So it's like, okay, they are doing something right. So following that 
you know, uh, relocation because it's a corporate relocation, even at this point, and it has the development inclusion in it. It's huge. It's big for real estate and you need to follow those type of trends. Now, for those of you who do not know who Elon Musk is, uh, I'm sorry for you, right? But for the majority of you, you know that he's just the Tesla super giant that everybody talks about in regards to kind of his next thing into this this whole SpaceX um, world, right? So I like something that he said, though, like in an interview that I heard with him recently, he said, if a team has been winning for too long, they do tend to get a little complacent a little entitled, and then they don't win the championship anymore, he said. California's been winning for, for a long time, and I think, they're taking, uh, I think they're taking them for granted a little bit. That was his statement, right? He also moved his foundation to Austin. Like, these are huge moves that seem like, ah, to the everyday person, but for anybody in real estate, especially in the Austin market or those in investment real estate in general, know that this is big. This is definitely something big, especially if you're in California market on the receiving end of seeing that migration happen and that population growth is then going to be spurred in Austin. Like, I can go on forever about this, but I'm so excited about it. I geek out about it all the time in regards to kind of these market trends and Austin real estate market has forever been one of those on our radar, like I said, that we also are actively investing in and deploying capital every single year. So in regards to that market overall, you do want to do your homework, do some additional research because it is most active. uh, uh, It's become one of the most active real estate markets in all of Texas, if not even I would venture to say in the entire country, right? They're known for their technology industry. Um, They have relatively low housing prices. There's super huge demand for properties there and real estate in Austin has, like I said, it's been pretty much uh, becoming a commodity right, with all of the culmination of of these different factors and market indicators that really pinpoint it being a in-demand market, especially desirable for homeowners and and also for renters, right, because there's a plethora of things to do. Um, Despite even the current pandemic, there's so many neighborhoods in Austin real estate market right now that are actually shifting in favor of, of, of buyers, right, like, and that lends very well for local investors or those out-of-state investors looking for a national presence and looking for a market that's going to produce the returns, the stability, and limit the the volatility of any market that they would want to, to avoid so that it doesn't compromise their cash flow, right? So, You definitely want to check out that market for Austin, Texas because of these different reasons, but even more so recent um, in regards to that corporate migration. You want to follow those. And Elon Musk has just jumped ship from California there. So that's kind of my fun fact of the day and what is going to lend very nicely to today's topic that we're going to discuss, which is in regards to how to make yourself financeable and really build a real estate investment business from the structure and entity formation component all the way up to the passive income and portfolio building and management that you you ultimately want to get to, right? Everybody thinks a lot of the times that business is built based on, uh, they, or I should rather say that a lot of people think about real estate and business being two of the same 
thing, right? They're cut from the same cloth, but they're not the same thing, right? Real estate is a business. And a lot of people go in with the misconception like, oh no, I'm just buying a property. No, no, no. You're buying an investment and that investment is a business. There's not a single time where you should go in and, and look to invest in the stock market or invest in a CD even if you're that ancient a little bit, right? If you're still doing those type of things and not look at the return on your investment that you're getting. With real estate, it's the same thing. You have to be able to calculate that return and you can only do that if you're able to leverage some strategic financing so that you know, hey, is this a good deal? Is my money going to be in a, in, in a good investment that's going to be producing enough for me to justify my expenses of that same investment? So that may be super high level for a lot of you but it's really, really foundational and basic, right? So foundational that that lends to step number one in regards to how you want to structure yourself from the ground up so that you're not doing this as a side hustle or hobby, but really building your real estate investment portfolio out as a legitimate business and more so than legitimate as a lendable business, as a financeable business, a business that is structured in a way that it can attract, raise, leverage, and deploy capital. Okay. So again, step number one to doing so is creating a lendable, a very safe business name in a safe industry, right? What does that mean? That means that you don't want it to have the name Realty in your business name for your real estate company, and you don't want it to have the name investments. Well, why? Those two terms alone detract lenders, in, including institutional lenders like banks, from lending you money. Why? Because they don't sound safe. They don't sound like they're in safe industries. They sound like they're in you know, more volatile um, industries, just like properties can be in volatile markets, right? So you want to make sure that it's something that has names and phrases like homes, property solutions, enterprise, things that sound a lot more sturdy, solid, and safe versus volatile and risky. Okay, so the name of your business is super huge in regards to structuring yourself correctly just from the end on, on more of the entity formation side so that you are able to attract and not derail lenders from lending to your business so that you can use that money to invest in real estate. Okay, so you want to make sure that you do give some thought and some serious thought and strategy into those type of uh, business names. Now, what do you want to do after that? Well, step two would be really start researching lenders and reaching out because you want to build those professional relationships with them before you actually go to them in need of money, in need of financing, right? It's very simple. People overcomplicate this all the time, but really that research can start online. There is absolutely no reason, even if you have a fear of the phone, if you have a fear of talking to people, even though these people are just people, right? If that's something that you're struggling with, email can become your best friend. Now, at some point, you're going to have to buckle up and get on the phone. I'm not going to, you know, uh, downplay that necessity in building that relationship, especially if you want it to be built on credible studs, basically. Right. So just jump on Google, jump online and look up three local hard money lenders, because that's just a good number to start with. You want to diversify, but not too much. And you don't want to overextend yourself by, you know, setting a huge target to 
to, to instead of three to target 30 lenders, right? Start small. You can start by looking up three local hard money lenders by typing in something like, um, let's just use my example from earlier with Austin, Texas. You can say Austin, Texas hard money lenders and just see what comes up, right? Because especially if they're paying for advertising and they're paid ads that appear, you know, the people don't pay for ads that are not producing results, right? So they're paying because they are making money. So you can even use that as a gauge of where or whom to start with. Now, after you have your three local hard money lenders, then you want to go to your national hard money lenders, right? So instead of just focusing on Austin, Texas, hard money lending companies, right? Now you want to broaden your search to a national basis. That means outside of Austin, even outside of Texas, you want to look for hard money lenders that are lending in more than one state and specifically more than one local um, state that you're in. Okay. So again, the same way you just said Austin, uh, Texas, hard money lending companies, you can say, um, national hard money lender companies, right? Something like that. It's not a science as much as it is a basic search. Okay. Just think of it as basic search. How would you ask someone that? Right. And you've probably pondered that question before. Like, how do I find a lender? Right. You can just type it in national hard money lenders near me or national hard, hard, hard money lenders, you know, whatever in the United States. And just kind of play around with those different terms until you find sufficient results, right? Now, the third criteria of lender that you want to look up, and these, this is where you want to place the most weight, the most volume, and that's on private money lenders, right? There's a lot of softwares out there that have lists that, that can be bought or purchased through a subscription. There's also title companies that you can ask, right? How people always overcomplicate this thing of like, how do I find private money lenders, right? Why am I structuring myself for lending and I'm not even able to, to find money, right? There's six ways that I'm going to give you guys right now today that you can go and use and deploy in addition to the ones I've already talked about to find the local hard money lenders. Secondly, to find two national hard money lenders. That's already five, right? Now I want you to find 10 private money lenders. Like I want you to double the total of those two first ones alone. That should show you how important your private money is going to be to building your real estate investment portfolio. So six ways to find these off the top of my head for sure, hands down that I would be able to say. Number one, like I already mentioned, Google, just like you can Google local hard money lenders and national hard money lenders, believe it or not, you can Google private money lenders on Google, right? Because there are private money, professional private money firms that do this as a profession. There's also private money individuals that you're not going to necessarily find on Google, right? Let's just be honest. But you're going to find those more professional private lending firms that are absolutely on Google. Now, the second thing that you or the second resource that you want to leverage is asking title companies for a list. Believe it or not, it was so crazy to me. Like when I first learned this strategy, I don't know, less than a decade ago, though, it was a little bit into my career in real estate, uh, at least one to two years. And it, it dawned on me that I really built a very, very solid relationship with my escrow officer to the point where if a property fell out of escrow, I immediately got a text like, hey, I just had a client that, you know, the property fell out of escrow. I want to be able to close this file and help the clients. Would you be interested in purchasing the property or taking a look here? And as as soon as I she sent that, 
was as soon as I can use my smart auto reply to say yes. Once I did that, I got an address alone, just an address, and I was to do the rest of my due diligence, right? So it dawned on me like, okay, title companies, I already have this pre-existing relationship. I leveraged it to now being able to use my 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 escrow officer as a, uh, a property search tool, right? I, I was able to use and leverage that relationship and then to more than one capacity. So now instead of just the property capacity of her involvement in my business and investing in it, then I said, hey, I need a list of the lenders that you have that you have um, had on your files that you have successfully closed within the last six months, right? I want them to be re- relevant and recent. I don't want lenders from two, three, four, five years ago, even though that's not to say they're not still in business, but I want the active players right now that are still already familiar with um, lending money. So raising it becomes a lot more easy actually from lenders who have experience versus that education piece of having to be um, incorporated before the lending can actually be leveraged, right? So again, ask your title companies for a list. They can provide you lists of um, properties. They can provide you lists of uh, lenders. Like some of them may be sketchy. And again, if you don't have a pre-existing relationship with them, calling them up on the phone and just asking for that might be a little awkward, right? They have vacant property lists. They have a lot of information. I actually had um, one of my first deals back then that was actually from an absentee owner that lived out of state. She lived in Nevada and I actually ended up doing a uh, sandwich lease option on the property, flew her out here. And I've told this story before, so you guys may have heard it if you listen to and follow the show. But again, she came off of a, a list that I got for free from the title company. Once I got that list from Old Republic Title Company, right? Um, then I, uh, had the person who I hired to do my direct mail. I had an individual. It was actually a family member. That family member wrote out my yellow letters. This woman responded to my yellow letter, uh, from the direct mail campaign. She was in Nevada, but she owned two properties, one here in, uh, in, um, San Francisco and another property she owned that was in Redwood city here in, in California as well. Uh, she also owned the third property, which was the one that I ended up purchasing and doing the lease option on, which was in Nevada. Now, what do I say all of that to say? Well, I said that to say that I was able to purchase the property for only $3,000 up front out of pocket in Nevada that cash flowed and produced rent since it was in Henderson, Nevada on the golf course of $2,500 per month. Now, some of you are thinking like, okay, but you still had money into it, $3,000. Then you said you flew her out. That was probably another, you know, $1,000 or so round trip. Yes, there was money into the deal, skin into the game. I'm not going to lie. However, for $2,500 per month with very little to no overhead as a teen mother, like with children already, that was gold. I was hooked. If I wasn't hooked already before that, that deal definitely hooked me. And again, that came off of a free list 
from a title company. So like I said, ask your title companies for a list. Um, the third resource of where and how to find private money lenders or even any lenders is searching public records. Every There's no secrets in real estate. Everything is disclosed and you can find out pretty much anything that you want to, whether it be on an individual or a corporation, you can find it. So through public records, because of the fact that every deed is usually recorded, on title in the county recorder's office that the subject property is located within, you're able to look through public records. You can look through them for free if you go down there or if you pay a small fee. Usually I've paid no more than about 50 to 75 bucks um, to, to get a copy of public records from online sources. Now, every county is not online. I know, for example, there's more rural, smaller counties, such as in Indianapolis, right? They do table closings and they do not do electronic records. They physically go down and pull their records from the county recorder's office, which is crazy. It sounds crazy. Crazy, right to people like in New York and and, and <laughs> but it happens it's yeah so I'll just leave it at that it's a thing but again they're not the only county or st- city um, that has that set up so again more some counties will be more abundant and, and more detailed with the information and scope that you can get from searching public records online but don't be opposed to going in person as well and learning that process and doing it yourself to pull records and look up lenders that are on public documents of properties um, that have sold to cash buyers like that is gold okay if you acted on one thing and you did that legit I found over 10 private money lenders that we still have in our back pocket to this day by doing that one thing Okay. Now, again, just to recap, we talked about Google. We talked about asking your title companies and escrow officers. We talked about now searching public records as number three source. The fourth source is searching other online groups, like in social media. You can search on Yahoo groups. There are a lot of foreign investors as well as national investors that become private money lenders simply by networking through Yahoo groups. We found them a lot. Other are Facebook groups, right? Other is LinkedIn, okay? There's this one ninja uh, tactic, and this is, again, golden nugget uh, number 100. I don't know which one I'm giving right now, but I'm going to give you guys this because it has worked and I want it to work for you, is going through your LinkedIn. Hopefully, that's the more professional network that you have, downloading all of your contacts, sorting through them, and separating the real estate from non-real estate folks, and then starting an email marketing campaign directly to your LinkedIn. LinkedIn contacts. That is another form of group. It's not necessarily a group as much as it is a platform, but absolutely one you could and should leverage in order to start to find and sift out potential private money lenders, add them to your list, opt them into your system, put them on your drip campaign and continue to build relationships with them once they do respond. Okay, now that might cost you a couple breakfast, lunches and or dinners over the next course of, you know, several months. Right. But it's worth it, even if it takes you eight to 12 months to gain their rapport and trust to be able to lend you money and see your company as credible and see your growth and development and doing deals, even if they're just wholesale deals in the interim of that time period. It's worth it. Don't think it's going to be a sprint as much as it will be a marathon. These are marathon investments, like my husband used to say. Ansar is notorious for using that. And at first, I'm just like, ah, I don't get it. It sounds long, but it 
absolutely pays off dividends bigger than a stock market. For sure, if you invest in the relationships that you build for these people that will start to fund your deals. Now, that's online groups and social media stuff. Number five, the fifth resource of how to find these lenders, specifically private money lenders, is getting a list from ListSource. We've used them. They cost more than these other uh, free to low cost or no cost resources I've given. We're getting more into the paid resource when we're talking about list source because that data is not free. But again, you usually get what you pay for. So from list source, it's usually higher quality data because the list that you get of private lenders is usually more detailed and more accurate and up to date because it's a paid service. Now, the list can be of about usually we pull for anywhere from 200 to 250 names and records and we pay about a dollar. Uh, I'm sorry, not a dollar. I wish we pay about one hundred and fifty dollars for that list. So again, listsource.com. Now figure out how to navigate that site. I'm not going to do that for you right now. But again, I'm giving you the resource, right? I'm giving you the gold. Your job is to figure out how to use it. OK, and there's plenty of resources to help you do that in a much more depth than I would on this episode, okay? And the sixth resource, the number six resource I wanna give you guys for finding this money and finding in, uh, these lists of lenders to potentially build relationships with to fund your deals is ask for referrals from other investors. I don't know how many referrals I've gotten, by asking our network, hey, who did you use to fund that last flip? Who did you use to fund that last bridge uh, uh, bridge loan that you needed for that transactional funding? Who did you use when you were down and out and you thought all hope was gone and that lender came through at the ninth, ninth hour to fund your deal? Who was that person, right? Even if I have to buy them lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner again just to get the referral or send the gift or a letter, like follow up with them and, and actually legitimately become friends with them, um, just to have access to their network, as people do with us as well. I'm not opposed to that, right? Asking for those referrals, building the relationship with the right people who are actively in the market doing the same or similar thing that you want to do, and then leveraging those referrals. That's huge, right? So just to recap again, we're talking about how to build a real estate investment business and structure it all the way from the entity formation up to then we're going to talk about incorporation next. But this is a series, right? Because I want you guys to be able to build your business, not just your portfolio, because a business is actually, truth be told, a bigger asset than even your portfolio. Now, it's not to minimize one over the other. It just means what is going to give you the greatest return for the greatest amount of time. Absolutely business followed by real estate then by paper assets is usually that trajectory. That's usually the, 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 the way it goes, the pyramid per se, right? Of the biggest bang for your buck and where those things are going to come from. So because real estate is smack dab in the center of those three that I've just outlined for you guys, it's really, really, really important to see what precedes it. Just like I was talking about Elon Musk, and he's the second wealthiest person said to be in the world right now. I said second two, so then it becomes more important of who's number one. Jeff Bezos. Same thing with this asset class and how you're building your investments. Business supersedes real estate, right? So it's important to know that. So that gives credibility and credence to why you want to build your business as a big business and asset, right? 
and then also focus on the real estate and the portfolio build out. Now, because I want to make this a series and really not overwhelm you guys with information overload so that it, it, it debilitates you from taking action, which is the next best thing you can do once you learn something, is implement one thing. Go back, listen to this episode again, find that one golden nugget, even out of the many that I may have given, to be able to take action on. Do one thing, right? I said create a business name. If that's for you in a safe business name in a safe industry so that you can create a lendable entity, right? If that means that's the one thing you're going to do today to start brainstorming, do that one thing, right? Then, uh, or if you want it to be to start researching your lenders, I told you, find three local hard money lenders, two national hard money lenders, and 10 private money lenders. And I gave you six resources of how and where to find them with an emphasis on using these resources to find private money lenders because they're going to be the most valuable to your business long term. That was number one, Google. Number two, title and escrow companies. Number three, searching public records online and in person. Number four was searching online groups, including social media platforms. Number five was getting a list from listsource.com. That's L-I-S-T-S-O-U-R-C-E.com. And number six was asking for referrals from other active investors. Okay, now stick around and stay tuned because the next episodes we're going to go and dive more deep into how to build the real estate uh, investment as a business and not just as a portfolio. We're going to talk about incorporation strategies. We're going to talk about personal and business checkings and savings accounts and the banks to do those with. We're going to talk about registering with Duns and Bradstreet to build uh, uh, business credit. We're going to be talking about applying for unsecured business lines of credit, hiring accountants and tax advisors, setting up payroll services, all of these different things we're going to get into. So you don't want to miss any of it. You want to stay tuned. Like, share, subscribe to my channel. Be sure to tune in because we need to get you guys lendable. We need to get you fundable and financeable. However you want to say it, we need to get you guys access to institutionalized capital to build your real estate business and then portfolio next. Okay. So I hope you guys got a tremendous amount of value out of today's episode. I know I did, even if it serves as a reminder and refresher more so than new information, you really want to be able to use what you learn. Okay. Implementation, the speed of implementation is the reason so many people fail before they finally make it in real estate or in life in general. You don't want to become that statistic. You don't want to become that 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 person, that type of person. You don't want to have that type of work ethic, okay? You want to get up and and really be able to be proud of what you're doing, what you're building, and also what you're feeling and how you're feeling, right? That's super important. You want to have these goals of why am I doing all of this, right? Why is this important to me? For some of you, it might be freedom, time freedom and and or financial freedom. For some of you guys, it might be doing less deals, but bigger deals. Instead of doing 30 to 50 or 100 deals a year, you might just want to do one to two big deals a year. So then you want to get into looking at institutionalized deals with larger margins, like I did, like we do, my team and my husband and my family specifically over doing smaller deals, right? But more volume. It might be that you love to travel, right? And for some of you, that goal might be being able to have more family vacations or honeymoon service, uh, honeymoons, or, you know, being able to travel and celebrate anniversaries, taking more road trips, vacationing, right? Even attending boot camps or seminars and really investing in yourself 
and in your education, but you want to be able to have that access to, 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 to create the opportunities to further your education, right? It might be for others, you just scaling and blowing up the active side of your business so you have more capital to deploy into passive income investments and opportunities, whether it be in the residential or commercial side of real estate or even ultimately land and development, right? All of these different things, they matter and they all mean something different to each of us, right? It might just be getting dual citizenship to live abroad for six months out of the year and six months locally. I don't know what it is for you. I know what it is for me and my family, but I want you guys to know what it is for you. So anytime you're feeling some type of way about why am I doing this? What is this all for? Why would I make that extra call? Why would I research that extra market? right? You can refocus and restabilize and recommit to the plan, not just to the process. But the process, don't get me wrong, is equally, if not even more important. Like I said about markets, you guys also check out Austin real estate market because like I said, right now, even the impact on of COVID-19 on the Austin real estate market, it, it's there. It's a thing. It's just like it is with the entire real estate investing community, right? But you don't want to let things like this that are outside of your control control you. You don't. You don't want to do that. Like a lot of traditional buyers and sellers are actually given several reasons right now why they want to and should participate in the market in the form of purchasing properties. Right. Like right now, today's interest rates are the direct result of the coronavirus. Like that's crazy. Right. The Fed, the Federal Reserve has promised to keep them low just to keep this spark in activity within the national housing sector. So it's not just Austin that's experiencing this huge uh, market blow up, right? It's other markets on a national scale because at approximately a 3% interest rate right now, it's never been cheaper, never been cheaper to borrow money. And more people are actually going to become more eager to take advantage of this institutionalized capital at cheaper interest rate, getting cheaper money. That's why this is important for you. That's where you come in with this whole thing and this that we've been talking about today is making yourself and setting yourself up to be financeable because then you can take advantage of this same institutional capital that is at a 3% or less rate, right? Without having to be a VA. Historically, the VA loans are the best loan in the entire business. One of the factors being because of the, um, the, the known low interest rates, right? Now you have the ability to be a non-veteran participating in the same interest rate. That is unprecedented. And that is what you want to focus on. And that is why you need to know and do and apply this information that we're talking about. Right. So you definitely want to be able to still be in the market, keeping a pulse on the market and being able to be aware despite any of these potential perceived setbacks of the opportunities that underlie them, okay? So that's all for today. I want you guys to, again, like, share, subscribe to my channel. Know that this is possible for you. Know that you can get financing despite your your color, your code, your background, your mother, your father, your situation. Everybody has things that make them less than desirable at a point in time, right? But don't let those things define you. You define you. Don't let someone else do that for you, right? Don't give them that power or that precedence over your own mind and your own abilities. Don't aim for success if you if if you want it. Just do what you love and believe in and it will come naturally, right? And and on top of that, education is learning what you didn't even know you didn't know, 
right? It's one of those things that uh, you find out and learn and grow as you go. And you're not going to go anywhere if you're not doing those things. You're not going to learn and be all that you can be if you're not actively investing in your mind, your body, your spirit, your health, your happiness, right? All of those things are contributing factors to your wealth. And in order to succeed and be wealthy, your desire for that success should absolutely be greater than your fear of failure. And on that note, I leave you guys in peace, blessings, and happiness. I extend to you guys. I want you to go out and use this information. Go back and listen to it. Like I said, like, share, subscribe to the channel, and stay tuned on the next episode for more information in regards to how to build a lendable real estate investment business that is applicable to any industry, ultimately, that you're in. All businesses need access to capital and financing. And the reason, the reason that so many businesses fail, even within their first year and the next round within their first five years of business is because of lack of capital. I don't want that to happen to you guys. So stay tuned so that it doesn't.